Hey everybody, this is JJ Kaleo, and welcome to Clink. On today's show, we have a very special guest from a company that I use and love all the time, and that is Che Huang of Boxed. He's the co-founder and CEO of Boxed. So if you're not familiar with Boxed, it is basically an online Costco or BJ's. So if you're looking to buy household products in bulk, but don't feel like lugging them around and don't feel like going to one of those giant warehouse stores, it is a godsend. So you can just pick out what you need and they will ship it directly to you. And it is the only place that I buy peanut butter, soap, granola bars, paper towels, that kind of thing. So it is a fantastic service that saves you a ton of money and time. And Che is the guy behind it. And he's raised about $130 million in venture capital for that company. It is his second company. He previously founded a business called Astro Ape, which was a gaming company that sold to Zynga in 2011. And you're probably going to get a sense of this during our interview, but Che is an incredibly warm and very genuine guy. And to that end, this is something that we don't really get into in our discussion, but I, I should mention it. Boxed offers a very unusual perk that I think is a, a pretty clear reflection of Che's personality. So all Boxed, Boxed employees get their children's college tuition paid for by the company. It is crazy, but Che is crazy in the best way. So anyway, Che has a lot of amazing war stories, which we discuss here over Bud Light, actually, because he also has some prosaic taste in beer. But otherwise, it's a fantastic interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks very much. Thanks for doing this, by the way. Yeah. It's good to see you again. I, I haven't seen you in ages, man. I know. Since we were at our old, way overcrowded office. Yeah. Now the you're first spot. Yeah. You, now you're in our new-ish overcrowded office. <laughs> and then in, in a few months, you'll see us overcrowded in a new so office. You, you guys stay in the hood, it seems like. Yeah. This wasn't too far. I, I was not a Soho person. I yeah. actually felt like you needed a passport to come down here. Yeah. Back in the day, we were always in the Flatiron District. Yeah. But when we started Box, Flatiron had kind of taken off and it became so expensive that we actually got priced out of Flatiron to come to Soho, yeah. to the fringes of Soho where we were the first time we, we hung out. Right. But I became sold. Like people coming in from Jersey, it's a really easy drive. Sure. Right by Canal Street. Um, yeah. yeah. The only bad thing is like from the path train, it's pretty difficult. So I hear from the pathers that like, they're just like, dude, it sucks. But like... I guess they go to Christopher. Yeah. And walk, walk, walk yeah. Or they just have to... Eat it and go to, to connect at 14th Street or somewhere like that, and uh, then go down. So yeah, and kind of backtrack that way. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Or they do the ferry, some of them. But like in general, I think people come from all over, and it's a decent spot. So cool. I'm not too worried, man. Nice. All right. Well, cheers. cheers. Oh, I didn't even know we were going. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, dude. So uh, what are we drinking today? <laughs> we're drinking uh, the finest of American beers, and it is called a Bud Light. <laughs> and I know people will bust your chops over it, but it was my choice because it is uh, in the middle of the day. That's for one. But in general, though, I have very kind of polarizing tastes. Or, or actually, my taste in alcohol is very bipolar. I think yeah. it's either... Decently high-end scotch, yep. um, once in a blue moon, or every day, but like... Or just like, bath water. Yeah, or bath, or just bath <laughs> water. Dude, like, sometimes, like, I had, like, I was just having this debate with someone here. I've actually been guilty of buying O'Doul's in the past. 
where like I'm just like I love the taste of beer. Uh, sometimes that I'm just like, dude, I just okay. I like I need to have work to do, and I just want to have like multiple multiple beers and not like and still be on point. And so someone at the uh, counter at the liquor store actually like when I put it down. He's like, look me in the eye. He's like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, <laughs> he's like, um, this stuff is for alcoholics and, and pregnant women. And he's like, you are neither. So he's like, come back with the real beer. I was like, dude, oh my gosh, you know, busted my chops. And so I, I, I checked out with the Duels, but uh, yeah. I, I learned my, I learned my lesson. That's actually kind of clever. Like yeah. I may take you up. Right? Yeah. Like I may adopt that at some point because it does so, happen. You know, yeah. you're just like, man, I can. I just want a beer. Really, but I gotta be beer. sharp, you know. Like and so, um, but I don't yeah. want to get drunk. Yep. So, so I think Bud Light is a good compromise. Probably no one listening to this is going to agree with me, but uh, but Bud Light, man, we're up for anything. So uh, don't be surprised if Flowrider comes in through here, Love, yeah. And we go we go like daybreaker partying pretty soon. So yeah, no, I'm I'm psyched. Actually, it, it tastes like college. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually like I think something I something I couldn't coffee. afford in college. <laughs> it's true, man. I was drinking Natty Ice in in, uh, in college, man. It was Natty like, Ice was the way to go. A brick of Natty Ice was like single digit dollars. It was like. And totally. It was cheaper than Poland Spring. And you could get like so. three people drunk on. Yeah. <laughs> so true, man. It's like, until you, uh, yeah. But it did the job. Yeah. It, it did the job. But we haven't seen each other in a while. And so. It's been a while. It's been, a, how long? Like six, seven months? I would, easily? No, I would think more than, more than that. that. Yeah. Really? It's got to be well over a year, I would Really? Think. Yeah. You guys were like just starting out, I think, last time I saw you. Time is flying by. Dude. I know. It feels like just a few months ago. In fact, it feels like it was just literally last month. We were still like toiling away in my garage, and then now, Time warping, man. yeah, it, it really is. And so, it's been a ride. It's been a trip. So, yeah, I'm just I just feel lucky that things are going decently well. So, yeah, no, I mean, so boxed is awesome. I'm a huge I, fan. Yeah, I, I remember your service. Yep, yeah, yeah, I remember like right after we met, you ordered, and then like <laughs> you know continued to order. So it's awesome, dude. Like, yeah. thank you for the support, man. So tell me, you know, I want to go pre-boxed and even like. Pre your last gaming company, okay, okay, Astro Pre pubescent days, pre pre law firm, <laughs> pre all of that stuff. So just okay. tell me, you grew up in in Baltimore, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And what was kind of so that like? Uh, spent a few years in Baltimore when I was really young, and then in second grade, so. My family and I would bounce around between Ohio for a little bit and Baltimore. Yeah. Spent a few formative years in Baltimore. And then in right before the third grade started, I moved to uh, sunny New Jersey. Where so, in New Jersey? Edison, New Jersey. Got it. And so cool. it's... Um, I'm from Red Bank. Okay. I yeah. <laughs> so not too so, far. Yeah. So yeah. not ter- terribly far at all. Edison is... It's getting really crowded in Edison and it's completely changed since I went to school there. So... But it's, it's good to see. Yeah. Okay. When, when did you move to Edison? Right around the third grade. Uh, gotcha. that, so right before third grade, sorry. Okay. There. And and from there through high school? Through high school, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So I would say, so when people ask me where I grew up, it's definitely New Jersey. Yeah. But I still have very vivid memories. And even I was in Baltimore uh, last weekend, still drove by the old house and I still remember all the different things and, you know, where the local school was and like where we used to go to eat and like yeah. they knocked out a few restaurants and yeah, but it's still... I still have very vivid memories from, from Baltimore. Still have family in, in Ohio, and so that's why the, the memories are still vivid. But even without having any family in Baltimore anymore, I can still you know, get around and know my way around. What was your family like? You know, what was kind of the dynamic as a kid? Oh, dude. My family's like, I would say, just all over the place. Yeah. Physically, 
metaphorically <laughs> everything. And, and maybe it's, you know, I, I think every family can probably be categorized as such. But uh, when you look at like kind of even my, my parents, right? So my parents, both from Taiwan, yeah. uh, my dad's side of the family has been in like Southern Taiwan for many generations. My mom's side of the family, like my grandparents on that side, my grandma was Japanese. Grandfather was was mainland Chinese. Yeah, they met during World War II. Oh uh, yeah, so you can imagine like what are these people thinking, you know? And then, <laughs> um, and then so like hid, and then when the the revolution happened in in, in forty nine, and and all the nationalists got got booted from the island, they thought they were going to Taiwan just just to sure just, just until to things yeah, yeah just until things calmed down, and like ended up there for like 40, 40 plus years. So you can imagine. At uh, family reunions, we have, and also, you know, my aunt married someone that was stationed in Taiwan after the Vietnam War, and so like these giant family reunions, like you literally have folks from Japan, mainland China, southern Taiwan, and like people from the middle of Ohio with one stoplight in the entire town, and so it, it is like it's pretty bizarre at, at times. Yeah, but we never talk about religion. There's no talk about politics, and we just try to enjoy each other's company. So. It's pretty wild, man. That is wild. Yeah. So if if, you, if anyone out there thinks that I'm messed up, that's probably wild, <laughs> just just a function or yeah, just it's a, it's a great amalgam. Of, yeah. you know, of Asian culture. <laughs> yeah, literally, you know. So um, what was the, the nuclear family like? You know, yeah, the household kind of yeah. So media dynamic. Uh, older sister, five years older than me. Yeah. Also works in tech now at, at much larger kind of uh, technology companies, and then um, yeah, that's about it. You know, parents. Still married, still love each other uh, yeah. at, at times. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just a nuclear family, I would say, pretty normal, I would say. Yep. Like, so that is a good point that I've never thought of. Like, nuclear family, normal, extended family, like, just straight up, like, reality shows. Yeah. So, so um, were you a driven kid? Were you a slacker? What kind of kid were you? I was driven by my parents often into things that I wasn't very passionate yeah. about. For example, they stuck me into like piano class and I would always just practice like 10 minutes before and it would show and like they wasted all this money and like try to get me to do these very traditional things. And I was just never passionate about it. And so I would say the first part of my professional life, I was in jobs or in a, in a profession that I wasn't very passionate about. And then one day after getting really overworked, I was just like, I'm not terribly good at what I do. I'm okay. I think I'm decent, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was as a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As a, a sports. And uh, so I, I was half in the sports group and half in, in, uh, in the fund formation group. And I thought, I'm not passionate at all about what I do. And I'm not at the top of the game in terms of my abilities. Then I'm just, in the, I'm in the wrong game. Yeah. Like, you know? And so luckily, I'd always been passionate about entrepreneurship and just thinking about businesses. Even at the law firm, I remember I would read, uh, on my own time, I would read kind of about the businesses and who we were representing and, and the histories of their business. And then I just thought, wow, I'm pretty, pretty passionate about that stuff. And yeah. I'll try my hand one day. Was that something that you picked up as a kid, like earlier? Was there anybody that you were exposed to that gave you that idea? Yeah, I would yeah. say not my mom's side of the family because they're mostly all teachers and professors. Yep. And so they're very like stick with the traditional professions. Dad's side of the family was pretty entrepreneurial. And even my dad, when they came to the United States, you know, English wasn't a strong point for him. In fact, early on, it just wasn't a point at all. And so <laughs> he was unemployed for many years and made ends meet for the family by just selling stuff at the, at like 
the flea market on the, on the weekends. And I remember going as a child, going to the flea market on, on the weekends once in a while with him. And also even back then, door to door sales. And so you never, you, you would think gotcha. not, not physically to residents, but we would go to, there's not many of these markets anymore. So they're enclosed. And like, it's kind of like a flea market, but there's actual physical stalls and just like, yeah. and we would go stall to stall and he would have all sorts of random stuff that he would supply them with. And so early on, I think maybe that was pretty formative. How, how old were you when that was happening? So before second grade, so I would say probably like between five to six years old, right around then. So, so vivid memories, but still not like when I was 12 or 13 years old. So yeah, it's right around then. So, I mean, it seems like it took you a while to kind of break out of that mold in terms of what was expected, you know, doing what was expected. So, you know, all through high school, all through college, you were still in, in that mindset in terms yeah. of, yeah. So, I mean, I'll take it to right to college. Like, so in college, uh, study economics at, Johns right, Hopkins, at, right. at Hopkins. Yeah. And then Oh three graduated. Oh three. You still saw post nine 11 post.com. Sure. So the economy wasn't that that great. And, you know, at the time it was all about going to Wall Street, right? Like O three, like that was still what you what you strive to do if you if you graduated with a finance or economics major. Unfortunately at that time, things have changed now. Wall Street didn't really recruit in, in uh down in Hopkins. And also I was like, hmm, would yeah. I really enjoy it? So the job that I found was to go teach English in uh in the middle of nowhere in Japan. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't know much about Japan. I knew like part of my family was from there. Do you know so, Japanese? Uh, now I do. Yeah, it's <laughs> impossible. Yeah, because it's not like so when you apply for this program, right? Like you write what cities you want to be located in, and so I'm like Tokyo, Yokohama, Osaka, done. You know, like all the top cities. Sure. And they're like, laugh. They probably laughed. They're like, ha 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 ha. ha. <laughs> Middle of nowhere. Like my view out of my window was like I had a bike with a bell, open the window, rice patties. Literally. There's like parking lot, then rice patties. And so it's not the Japan that you see on TV. Right. Went there, played duck duck goose with kids that didn't speak a lot of English for two years. And then that's when call from the parents came, like you're wasting your life there. And so I was in this really rural kind of area of kind of northwestern or western Japan. Yeah. And I really thought at that time you know, yeah, my friends, a lot of them were, were getting great finance jobs. Some were already in, in law school or, or medical school and people's careers were taken off. And I'm literally, it's not figurative. I was literally playing Duck, Duck, Goose. <laughs> That's my job, you know, and it was an awesome job. It was like, you know, I'm pretty good at that, you know? And so came back, thought I basically had to write off those two years of my life, went to law school, graduated, yeah. uh, went to a law firm and then basically during the rise of Facebook started connecting with more and more old uh, friends and a few co-founders now co-founders hit me up on Facebook and said, what are you up to these days? Yeah. You know? but, so sorry to stop you there. Yeah. Yeah. But you said that you kind of thought at the time that you had basically wasted two years of your life. Yeah. Do, you, do you still think that, or do you look back at that and, and think that you got something out of it? That I, was I got a lot out of it. Yeah. And um, the things that immediately come to mind, I would say adaptability in situations. So being thrown into a place where you suddenly, not even like in a major metropolitan area, but in the middle of nowhere in a country you don't speak the language, yeah. it makes you kind of a little bit more resourceful. I couldn't read the electric bill. I couldn't read my bills. I didn't know how to get a cell phone. I don't know, like I just, you know, and then- So you didn't know a lick of Japanese. Not at all. There, and yeah. then, you know, like on the surface, like people didn't, they were just like, oh, this Japanese dude, like what's wrong with this guy? Like, you know, like, 
but right. not speak, you know, like, and so that was an additional kind of layer of, so they'd come up to you and, and start speaking Japanese. Yeah. And, and we would have, that. we would have like, so there would be, sometimes we would go out like the, the other local teachers there or other teachers that were placed from the States there. We'd have a small group. We'd go out drinking or we'd go out to dinner. The irony was some of them spoke perfect Japanese <laughs> and like the waiter would come and like, even though they're speaking perfect Japanese, they would look to me. To, to right. I'm like, why are you looking at me? Like she's doing a great job. Like, you know, and I don't speak like a lick of Japanese. And so, but you learn very quickly. And also eventually, so met my girlfriend at the time there who became my wife and gotcha. became a mother of my beautiful That's daughter. That's worth it. If nothing else. Like, that, so yeah. that and here's where it all kind of ties together. And this is why I think any entrepreneur that says a little bit of luck or a lot of luck was not crucial in, in their rise or in their, in their success, I think is just full of themselves because everyone has a moment. I, I firmly believe every moment, every person in the entire planet has at least one moment where things can go both ways. Yeah. And the people that capitalize on that moment really kind of take off. Some people just never recognize that that was their moment. Here's what I mean by that. So Facebook came about, more and more people were using it yeah. back in 06, 07, 08. I was sitting in a law firm and um, a few co-founders messaged me. One had quit his consulting job with Goldman, became our, our, our head designer, head artist. One was a back-end engineer at a firm in New Jersey. These are co-founders of your company. Of our last not company. Of Facebook, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so sorry. Not, yeah, not, Eduardo Saverin wasn't calling me. You know, yeah, like sorry. in New Jersey. I, just, <laughs> I was like, damn, I didn't know. No, that no, no, no. <laughs> it was involved. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. So, uh, reached out to me and I just thought, you know, we had this very interesting idea where people were making Farmville, like Mafia Wars, all for Facebook at the time. Yeah. Why not make these similar type of types of games on iPhone, right? And at the time it was the iPhone 2G. And I was just like, this iPhone 2G thing's got legs, man. Like, you know, 3G's coming out soon. Yeah. I think I, I think, think the smartphone thing yeah. might take off. Yeah. yeah. And so we did that. Launched the first game. I thought it was the best game on the market. Like, but hold on. So yeah. you, I mean, all three of yeah. you, your your friends, you, like the quick co-founders, yeah. all all in corporate jobs that yeah. I imagine yeah. you're kind of miserable mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. What was the evaluation in terms of like, or, or what was the calculus? Like when, when you're looking at these jobs, which are, you know, pretty sought after and, and have, you know, if you're at Goldman or a nice law firm or whatever, like pe people want to be there. And, you remember and I'm sure your times, parents were really proud. Like 2008, 2010, people were losing their jobs, like in droves at that oh, time. That's a good point. I'm glad. Um, and uh, I started my career in September 15, 2008. The day after Lehman collapsed, Good across Lord. the street from Lehman Brothers was our law firm, and so that resonates with me. What you just asked, because I don't know, I just I think it was just just a little bit of youth and just a little bit of yeah. kind of our personal burn rates weren't high. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just sure. like you weren't I lived extravagant. Exactly, yeah. and and at that time, as I was thinking about, uh, I can't speak for my co-founders, but I knew my personal situation. I knew that this probably wasn't for me, the, AKA the law firm. So I had saved enough money where I had personal runway for about a year. Gotcha. I didn't have to give up my apartment. I couldn't go out to eat really as often or, or without ever. Yeah. I wasn't in ramen noodle phase, but I could live a fairly normal lifestyle in New York for a year. Yeah. I thought I'd give it a try. And so we did it. and. Launched that first game. How old were you? Sorry. I was 27 yeah. when, I, when I did that. And how did the idea for the, even the gaming aspect come about? Oh, it's just, we, so 
gaming was at the time was really rising yeah. all on desktop. And we literally just thought, you know, you look at other parts of the world where tech physical, like hardware was a lot more advanced than the States and everything was going towards mobile. And we just thought these phones are going to become more powerful. The screens are going to get bigger and people, why wouldn't you just play these very simple type games, the games that were taking off? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just play that on your mobile device instead of sitting down and logging in and playing it on, sure. on desktop? So here's where it all ties together with, with Japan. So launch the game. No one played it. <laughs> We're sitting in Will's mom's basement. Common experience. Yeah, yeah. Will's mom's basement. Like, dude, this is a disaster. Like, we've got like more family members than DAU. Like, and so like, what, what do we do here? One day though, Apple featured it on the front page of, of iTunes a few weeks after launch and uh, didn't give us a heads up. They never do. And, uh, and within a few weeks after that, granted, you know, it's not as impressive anymore, but think about the days of iPhone 2G and 3G. Sure. Uh, we had about half a million DAUs uh, after that. And so then it just continued to, to grow. What was um, the game like? It was called Office Heroes. <laughs> so it was like, it was like the weirdest thing. Wait, I remember wait. we did a press piece about it yeah. after it was featured. It seems autobiographical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. It might have been like an insert coin article from Forbes back in the day. No uh, yeah, I gotta look it up, but, or I don't know if it was actually printed in terms of what the reporter said to us, but he basically said, you quit your corporate jobs to make a game that was kind of like, you know, like it was basically like satire of, of, of the office world, you know, instead of having Starbucks, like coffee, you would have four bucks coffee, like stuff like that, you know, and so you design your own office. So you made a game to do that just so you can raise money and open your own office and work in an office again. And, I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're actually right. I didn't even think about it like that, but that's, that's how it happened. But uh, it got featured. People started playing it. Yeah. We still knew nothing of venture capital. Physically got laughed out of the first meeting we ever had. Um, why, why did that happen? You know, we were three inexperienced entrepreneurs with a game that was doing well, but had no concept of DAU and like kind of sure. how to maximize the funnel. And literally to this day, I, I still vividly remember the quote was that you need adult supervision. Like you guys, this is, you guys are not real business people. So did they actually laugh you out of the room? So, okay. So didn't like, ha ha ha, not yeah, like yeah. bankers now, like get right. out of here, you know, but like literally closed the book and cut the meeting short and, and looked us in the eye and said that. So it's about as close as you can get, you know? And so didn't know which, where to turn to. I didn't know any venture capitalists and uh, got a ring from one of the biggest social gaming companies in Japan. So they were called DNA and huh. they're still, you know, DNA is still relatively successful today, uh, D-E-N-A, but everyone calls them DNA. They're led by a female CEO, female founder CEO. Wow. And that's yeah, pretty rare in Japan. Very right? rare. So one of the only female founding CEOs of a public company that still is CEO wow. in Japan today. They said, you know, we're looking at the States and, and we want to expand globally. Would you have a conversation with our CEO? She's coming out to New York in, in a few weeks or actually in a few days. And I said, okay, sure. Go in the room. It's doing, you know, it's, it's kind of okay. It's a little bit awkward. She had like an entire like entourage of bankers, you yeah. know, her IR team. Are you speaking Japanese? No, no, no. Okay. Luckily, she, she's like, she, she was educated in the States later on. Gotcha. Life, so perfect English. And then 
I was like, wow, you know, I lived in Japan too, you know, trying to break the ice. I'm like, this meeting is not going terribly well, you know? She's like, oh, where? And I'm like, uh, like, you know, middle of nowhere, Japan. And she's like, tell me. And she's like, you know, it's kind of embarrassing because it's like, even when you talk to people who live in rural areas in Japan, they're like, when you tell them where I was, they were like, wow, that's real. Like you are a country bumpkin, you know? Yeah. And so I told her, and now that I know she was one of the only female founding CEOs of a public company in Japan from that place in uh, Get out yeah, of here. in Japan, dude, where my wife is from. So uh, where I lived for two years. And so, yeah, serendipity. That is crazy. So I like without that moment, I just don't know professionally that I'd be, I'd be here today. So two years, not so wasted and I could never have planned it. So. That is really wild. Yeah. So, and it's basically just like throwing a dart at a map of Japan and this CEO who you is like the only one of any power interested in your company yes. at this time yeah. happens to be from that spot where you yes. spent two years. Yes. I didn't even pick that place in Japan. Like yeah. it was literally, they just shoved me there. And so that's why dude, like maybe my story is very, very different from most others, but I would imagine there's a good amount of luck and circumstance that boils up into into that moment. That's yeah, crazy. So closed uh, by a million, a little under a million bucks. Okay. Uh, so they invested, in, they bought some equity. Yeah, okay. that's right. And then built a company. And then um, and then when we were out for our Series A, you know, ended up uh, being acquired by, by Zynga um, about six or eight months before their IPO. Gotcha. Uh, so how many years was that from um, like start to acquisition? Oh, dude, that was like... Started building the game a little bit over a year, but from funding till actual sale of the company, less than a year. Whoa. Yeah. So it was a wild ride. Wild so it was, ride. it was less than two years, the whole thing. Oh, less than two years. Less than two years. Yeah. That's crazy. From sitting in a law firm and just being like, like, this is not going well for me. Like, I mean, like, I'm not enjoying what I do. So yeah. <laughs> sitting in, <laughs> in at Zynga about two years. Yeah. And so... Why did you choose to sell to Zynga at that point? I thought, and I often reflect on this as a moment, the best decision I made ever, the worst decision I made ever. Best decision was, of course, first-time entrepreneurs. It is kind of life-changing uh, money-wise for, yeah. for, you yeah. know, for any kind of type of exit. Two, best decision ever because I saw the undulations of a, of a public company or a private company before they go public. I saw what to do, what not to do, how to operate consumer facing products at scale and like tuning the funnel. I learned all of that during my, my two years there. So those are the reasons I would categorize it as one of the, the best decisions of my life or why I would categorize it as right. such. The worst decision part was that you work so hard building a company that after you kind of align your sword with someone else's and if that vision doesn't align, then guess what? Like the master company kind of wins out and you start building products you're not passionate about or products that you are passionate about, suddenly there's all different people who have say in it that make it into this Frankenstein thing, you know? And so I think that was very difficult for me emotionally for the next two years. Yeah. Okay. So you lasted two years at Zynga. Just about two years. Yeah. Was that a um, part of the agreement? Was that how? No, no. So, okay. No, it was, we had said, uh, you know, when things were going south at Zynga after the IPO, I actually told a lot of my peers and, and the person I reported to, I'm not going anywhere until things level off and not get better. Sure. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm the product of this like totally like serendipitous like thing. And I just knew was, the world is a lot smaller than I thought it was. And I would see everyone in the single office somewhere in my career in the future. 
and it's not time to burn bridges. Gotcha. And so, but I did tell them after we make our next game, like I'm, that's when I'm going to leave. And so, because things had leveled off, if not had recovered a bit, you know, lately it hasn't, it's gone back down, but you know, at the time it went back up a little bit and then released it and then, uh, and then left thought that our, our shelf life was, was up. Gotcha. So I, I don't know that like the acquisition number was released or anything. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that, yep. but that was a life changing amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Considering, you know, like, <laughs> dude, I'm still, we're changing my lights, man. You know, like I'm literally, <laughs> we're you know, my, right my wife's yeah. going to be super angry and, but she won't hear this until after she's already eaten it. And so I'm probably bringing home Taco Bell for dinner tonight. So <laughs> she's, you know, but light Taco Bell. So yeah, life, so, life changing stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's basically Diddy level stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You guys can't see my three-piece suit that I'm wearing right now, aka like you know, like a long sleeve t-shirt and and jeans. Yeah, I mean, Jay um, looks incredible. Yeah, I look like shit. Yeah. But <laughs> glad one of us came yeah, to the occasion. Came, yeah. So, two years at Zynga, yep. kind of a whirlwind experience mm-hmm. with it was Astro Ape, right? That's right. Yep. And then. You know, it seems like you could have stopped, you could have done whatever, yep. but obviously you wanted to start another company. What was the process like there? Did you chill out for a little bit? Did you so we went immediately our into... Co-founders went our separate ways for a few yeah. weeks, if not a month, and then just thought like, you know, we didn't have that much money. It wasn't like we could be the CEO of the beach, right? And like, we had to do something, you <laughs> right. know? For like then, the rest of your life. Yeah. And yeah. then like, we just thought whatever. like, wow, like when you look at it, we knew a lot about mobile. And even to this day, games dominate a lot of the charts of mobile. We just knew how to drive user acquisition, how to drive kind of conversion. We just knew these things. And so what well, gaming was already kind of hitting its ceiling at the time. And so why not try to use our knowledge for an industry that we think would change, not overnight, but over the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, one of the last bastions of offline behavior that hasn't gone online, consumer packaged goods. And so yeah, gotcha. we just thought, let's... Uh, Let's give it a try. So moved into my garage. The office in New York we had was was kind of this windowless conference room that we rented and we're we were there like once in a while, you yeah. know, in, in above Penn Station. So how long after you left Zynga was this happening? Or did, so, did this like did you incubate this at all while you were there? So didn't incubate it, but it was always a, a thought in my mind, even since I was growing up. And you know, especially after more and more people started buying stuff online. Gotcha. I just thought like you can buy almost anything online. You rewind two to three years ago. You can buy almost anything online, but why does why don't people really like to ship you the big stuff? And why is it so hard to shop for the big stuff online? Right. And I just thought, let's give it a try. So if you think about the pitch, we want to sell these gigantic things of toilet paper and paper towels on this three and a half inch screen. Right. And then you could tell like a lot of investors were like, dude. Love your track record. <laughs> Think you're a smart dude. Thought you were a smart dude until you told us the idea. Yeah, and you're getting laughed. Yeah, at yeah, right yeah. And it's like it's all over again, right? <laughs> Luckily, they weren't saying that we weren't real business people, but this time they were just like, dude, right? Like it wasn't adult supervision. I just hate the idea. Yeah, exactly. In fact, we even had a VC like um, we said, if you came in here and literally told me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, <laughs> please, invest. yeah, like you get, yeah, right. It's. Like I would have given you some money to see, okay, let's figure something out together. But since you told me this dumbass idea, like I cannot That's so in crazy. good faith write you a check. And so I was like, damn, is it really that bad? And so there's moments like that where you like really doubt yourself and you're just like, 
am I just weird or, or are we, are we just crazy? Like, and so luckily we just kept plowing through it and luckily it started growing. Gotcha. So do you want to like, is there anything else going on with that idea? Like were your founders as into it, your co-founders as into it as you were? Yeah. I think luckily, you know, co-founders are all very supportive. So we knew mobile was it, we knew mobile commerce was it. And when we, when we thought about solving a very simple problem, like, Folks who didn't have their fit at the time, this was a singular focus of the company. People who didn't have the physical means to go to a, a brick and mortar warehouse club couldn't access wholesale, like your office managers, your big families living, right. just, you know, whether they're kind of, you know, not everyone in New York lives like well, I do, but like not everyone in New York lives in a tiny apartment. Some people have families in a one bedroom or two, two bedroom apartments. So they do have some space to store stuff. So how do they access wholesale? Because they waste time and they waste money going to the one-off trips to, to join Reed and CBS. And so let's solve that problem for, for them. And so we all were aligned on that. And then luckily, as you kind of walk the path of building a company, you find that it's not just about the physical means. It's also about the time and the patience. Like meaning that now boxes for anyone that doesn't have the physical means, the time or the patience sure. to go to a warehouse club. And traditionally, you know, people pit us against the warehouse clubs a lot like oh yep. god you know costco and yeah, yeah like we look at credit card data like in terms of you know macro kind of trends and the vast majority like literally is almost virtually zero overlap of people who've shopped in a costco really bj's or sam's yeah or, and who've shopped with us within the last six months it's just it's a different audience they're 60 percent boomers and seniors we're closer to 80 80 plus percent 25 to 44 and so we're basically converting the folks that are having their first child or finally moving into a one bedroom and are too busy to just make the one off during re trips and just want something to, you know, something that they had to buy once and they don't have to really think about it for the next, uh, yeah. next month or so. Um, yeah. So those kind of younger folks is who we target. So I remember meeting with you, I think for the first time when Box did not yet launch, but you were. Oh, was it that long ago? Yeah, oh, and it was gosh. funny because you were like, "I'm embarrassed." I'm like, "Because <laughs> I was like, you know, really great to meet you, and you're basically like, actually everyone." JJ was the one that said, "Like, I can't write you a check." <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right. With my my journalism, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you were funny because you were like. Honestly, man, it's not a big deal. Like pre-launch, I don't have anything to do <laughs> like, oh, as a CEO. Dude, I wish I feel like I'm in the Shawshank Redemption now. I'm like Morgan Freeman in front of the parole board. Yeah, and I could go back and shake that young man. Right, and do more. Uh, yeah, do more, or just like really enjoy it, dude, because that's going to be short-lived. But I remember, I you know, and I remember <laughs> you talking about what you thought was going to work and what you thought was going to ship well and that kind of thing. But it, it was very much you know, still a hypothesis. Like it hadn't happened yet. Oh my gosh. And, and so I'm wondering, obviously you've done well and it's been proven since, but what was that initial launch like? Like what did it immediately catch on like you thought it would? I wish we would have recorded that meeting yeah. and we could play it back today. I was like, man, CEOs aren't that busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. I'm like trying to apologize right now to the dollar co-founders who were probably like grinding away, you know, writing the, writing the, writing the tech but uh yeah man so question sorry i was basically just wondering what the launch was like and oh. what the um you know what the reaction was Dude, in, the, in the beginning you just have to have a lot of faith in the team and, and your original idea when we launched did okay in the first few days but in that first quarter there were two days 
where we had zero orders. Ooh. Yeah. And I had like some folks had left their jobs to join us sitting in my garage and like manning the fulfillment center, AKA half of my garage. And I remember driving home from a meeting and, uh, this guy, uh, one of our old game designers at Zynga was like, dude, are you sure this is a good idea, man? I'm sitting, I sat here all day. I refreshed. Either the server is down Damn. or not a single, I'm, I'm trying to clean up his language. Not a single dude across the country bought a single thing from us. And I'm like, have faith, man. Like it's going to be okay. And so the next day we got like three orders and then the following day we got zero orders again. And he's <sighs> like, Oh dude. So it was pretty tough. So it's not all, you know, it's never just a, a, a rocket ship. Right. And so, what that taught me was that you have to, I think of myself and the evolution of me and the team as like different moments in time where we were literally different people with diff, under different circumstances with different experiences yeah. at that time than we are now. Yeah. And so I separate myself into that Che who, who kind of talked to you that day or was on the phone that day with, with uh, one of our game designers and our film and center guy and the guy today. And I really think like you just have to, it's when you walk the path, you, before you launch, you have this grand vision, you're like, everything's going to go well. You just have to think what would my future self come back if, they, if that dude had time machine, if he came back to where I was today in these dark times, what would he tell me? And if you truly think there is a future and, and you have confidence in yourself, like that person is going to come back and say, dude, just keep walking the path, man. Like trust yourself that trust that guy that had that vision and it was a good idea. Right. So trust yourself and keep, keep those legs moving, man. And, and make me proud. And so, um, that's kind of how I, how I think about it. So, yeah. When did you turn the corner? I would say probably closer to the end of the first quarter, we were national business, meaning that I think some of the press started uh, talking about it, uh, yeah. without, without us chiding them or, or, or pitching them. And not so much the tech press, but the mainstream press. And so sure. without ever telling us, like Fox and Friends talked about it on the weekend show. And then today's show, well, today's show, obviously, we, it wasn't a, most people thought it was a paid placement, but we had Hoda and Kathy Lee like talking about it. And they were just like on air, they were like, genius. And they were <laughs> like, I would love to use the service, you know, and just, yeah, it just started taking off from there. And then we, we closed our round, then we actually had a marketing budget, then started, you know, kind of doing our thing in terms of user acquisition. Gotcha. And now here we are. Now here we are, two Bud Lights. Crowd and <laughs> two Bud Lights, we made it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Down for anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. And sometimes I, I still feel like I'm living like in a third person point of view. Yeah. Where like, I, every day I feel, of course, like like stressed, but I still feel very passionate. But above all else, I just feel very lucky and fortunate where I found something I'm passionate about and something I think I'm pretty good at and found the marriage between the two. And then now the days become hours, become minutes, become seconds. That's why I didn't even know it's been over a year since we last hung out. So yeah. Literally, I just feel like uh, I'm enjoying myself. So it's been a... Uh, crazy dude <laughs> well that's awesome yeah i think we're gonna end it there but shay it was fantastic seeing you as always and, and thanks for doing it dude cheers and thanks for for stooping to my bud light level and i know it probably <laughs> i mean <laughs> cost me a little bit more than i'm used to yeah. but we can afford it now. cheers man thanks, cheers.